0: Again, you know, all those models are built off of numbers from seasons. Every candle is built from numbers of a season, whether it's a one-minute season or a five-minute or a ten-minute or, or, you know. And then all the information, it, it all gets distilled down to these numbers. that get spit out to us. And the numbers are meant for us to feel good about this season, that it's going to last. I just saw a meme today. I mean, TikTok has got to be one of the most educational things on the planet. Like, it is absolute garbage but I also know that you know there are I'm seeing more and more real estate agents and more and more people reaching out to younger generations uh, through TikTok and what are they doing they are drawing them into the markets they want them to go out and to buy real estate and uh, to renovate it and to rent it and to refinance it and pull the money out and do it all again you're listening to the Blue Collar Money Podcast, theories of middle-class investing. I am your host, P.W. Gopal, performance coach and entrepreneur, and along with the Blue Collar Money team, we want to say thank you for taking the time to join us today. Our goal is to help you get your hands dirty, get you unstuck, and help you live out your best financial story. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Blue Collar Money Podcast. This is episode 99 entitled Why Investors Need a Baseline. What we're going to be talking about today is the construction of a story. We talk about business narratives and money narratives and your personal narrative. Uh, And today we're going to talk about the confluence of, um, of all of those stories. Writing a good financial story. Uh, started with a conversation years ago um, with a good friend. We were trying to, you know, just trying to figure out what God would want for us um, in our investing narrative. Both of us knew to money, both of us knew to, to finance, and, you know, we had no information. Uh, but at the time, and this is, you know, 10 years ago, the markets were uh, clearing up, you know, the, the, uh, the sudden correction in 2008, um, you know, the fallout from that took a few years. And, uh, you know, so by 2010, 11, 12, uh, money was starting to come back into play. The chips were kind of falling, um, you know, in, in concrete places. And, and folks were able to get their feet underneath them and, and start trading again. Um, you know, not only, I'm trying to remember the exact year, but not only did we, you know, surpass the losses, um, but, but we, we obliterated them. Um, you know, one of my financial coaches told me that the 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 definition of a crash is um, obviously the loss, uh, massive sell off of a market, but also a change in lifestyle. And uh, and he said that is the marker, um, you know, to where where you can where you know to to start the clock uh, and call it a crash. Uh, and he was referring specifically to. The book, The Fourth Turning, um, you know, where, where the, the, and we, you've heard me talk about it um, uh, many, many times, you know, that there are 100 year cycles um, called uh, um, eras and 25 year um, uh, smaller uh, cycles called uh, turnings. And in these 25 year small cycles, um, You know, personalities are made four in particular. There is the um, the prophet, the nomad, the hero, and the artist. Um, So those that are closest to a crash um, become very you know conservative in how they uh, spend money and how they save and how they recycle. Those are the prophets. The nomads are the ones that are you know the children of that generation. Um, very hands-on, don't you know, necessarily trust much., um, you know, the heroes are the generation of them, um, you know, who, who grew up with innovation, um, and have also um, found, at least not all of them, but in, in part, you know, have found ways to uh, to innovate and, and pull not only themselves, but entire cultures, Um, out of trouble and then the artists are the youngest which you know kind of seem to be the most helpless but are able to capture the changes the social changes the production changes um, and capture it in such a way that we don't have to that we we have a a written and a creative record of it that we don't have to go back to making our um, repeated mistakes and so in that conversation, um, you know, realizing that in 2010, 11, 12, when I'm starting to learn money, um, that stability, that market stability wasn't something that I could necessarily count on. Um, I knew that we were we were in the final turning, um, or at least close to it, you know every, I think in the, in the research of Strauss and Howe in that book, Every 84 to 105 years of market crashes, it's happened seven or eight times already. Um, and so I knew that we were either in um, the third turning or the fourth turning. I mean let's just you know, it's not it's not exact science, but um, if you read one of the later chapter chapters where it talks about the fourth turning, it, it is a little eerie um, that we are living through a lot of the things they wrote about in 1992. And it's because people are uh, still the same. We are still the same. Israel is still the same. Uh, we are always looking for a king. And that king, uh, many times, comes disguised as um, money and uh, and power and influence. So, why investors need a baseline. Uh, this is actually going to be a Bible study, but I want to... Um, because I don't have any other any good way to teach this, I've been listening to podcasts nonstop in the shop for the last week, and I've realized that, friends, there are so many good podcasts out there about money, so many, and uh, that I I cannot bring um, those experts to the table. I can't bring the expertise to the table um, that that um, a lot of people would need. What I can bring to the table is um, the experience of agri- or, uh, compiling information, <clears throat> keeping it in perspective, and uh, and writing ourselves into the story. I was a storyteller for a long time, 17 years of doing that. But um, I think one of the things that I... I do feel like I'm gifted at is able to to take the aggregate of information and, and um, help people create a baseline from which they can build on a foundation that they can build on. So, you know, we say that there's two stories that everyone tells. There's a story that we tell, you know, through our values and our actions. And then there's the story that's told of us right at the end of our life that somebody, uh, well, maybe at the end of our life, um, is able to tell a story about us and what we meant to them. And, um, and what we meant to the world, what God used us for, um, and but there's a third story that I don't get to talk about with a lot of clients because um, it's the story of God, you know. And though I may touch on it, and I may kind of beat around the bush a little bit and talk about my experience with with God's story, um, I think it is, man, it is absolutely paramount in this time to understand. Uh, where we are, what we were made for, and what the point of our time on this planet is. Uh, I think even in listening to the podcasts that are more faith-based or even like overtly Christian, um, and I understand that the, the, the information must be practical. It's what I value about those podcasts and the people that are producing them. The information is incredibly practical. The only thing that I would say as a caution is that Um, number one, there's an insane amount of information out there. Number two, it is hard to determine how to bind that information together. Um, Normally, the presentation um, outweighs the information's merit. You know, like if somebody says it really well, I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds that's that sounds right. Like I'm going to align myself with how they invest, Um, you know, and and we know that, that that can get us in a lot of trouble. So I'm going to continue to beat the drum um, that God wants us to be getting our hands and our feet dirty, um, whether it is with our day job or a side hustle. We need to be working on cash flow. We need to be working in the season, on building a, a platform of safety from which to build upon. Um, and I'm going to ask for, you know, that... The, Our blue collar money family do it with with some integrity, right? Integrity, holding to a standard. So we're gonna, you know, hold that up as as God's standard. Um, And then you know, and it's funny that I got to talk to Joel Salatin for that for that uh, hour and a half over. You know, we made it into two episodes, but he he was talking about progress. He was talking about work, and he said, you know, if you want to grow, there's three things that need to happen: that that your work needs to be precise, it needs to be measurable. Um, and it needs to be, uh, timely. And so I was talking to a friend the other day about precision and the difference between precision and accuracy. Accuracy is more like integrity where it's, you know, how close you get to the target. Um, where precision is really about grouping. It's about how, um, you're able to repeat, um, the mistake, right? Standard deviation. It's like, if I'm able to, um, you know for lack of a better example if i'm able to shoot at a target and i'm taking five shots and those five shots are, are grouped together um you know one inch two inch three inch you know what however precise i can get if i work on that then as then as long as somebody shows me the standard i can move my grouping towards the standard and i would i will tell you that right now moving our our grouping, right? So our our the the, the aggregate of our our values, um, and our skill sets, and our and our lane, and our prayers, uh, you know, call that the grouping, right? The story that we want to tell. That's the, that's that's us taking a shot at at kind of what's next. Moving that towards a standard is becoming increasingly hard. I read from uh, read from how markets fail uh, a couple of episodes ago, and and uh, John Maynard Keynes' work. <clears throat> extensive work um and his economics you know applied to to where we're living in now is you know he he even said you know it is not um it's not it it's not to be expected that accurate information um is is easy to come by and and that what we are really betting on is not the not the future long-term value of something Um, But but the market's opinion of it in in three months or six months or in in shorter, um, shorter time frame. So as a um, as an encouragement in this time, I want to start off with this thought and phrase. And and it's something that I think um, I don't know that everybody would take to this, but but I believe it. And I try to hold it out in front of myself when I start thinking about the story that I want to write Um, and, and it goes something like this, that you are not an insider. And I will finish that thought in a second. If you are new to this podcast, I just want to say, um, you know, thanks for joining us. Um, we are a family of people that are really trying to, to, you know, roll our sleeves up and get our hands dirty and produce. We want to live by our values and we hope that those values would honor God um, we want to produce um, value to our communities, um, being financially intelligent and, and managing risk well. Um, we are a family of people that are learning from each other um, and uh, you know, and hopefully are going to be able to um, you know, help each other write the story that honors God um, the most in our finances, in our families and faith, um, in our discipleship. So it really matters what we create because it's going to be passed on in, uh, in one way or another. When I was trading, um, a decade, I get, wow, I guess it has been a decade. Um, when I started trading about a decade ago and you know, in, in every, every situation, I was kind of impressed with myself, how fast I learned the technical side of trading. I just, you know, I, I didn't look at, um, the bottom line of companies. I just look at, looked at, you know, charts of indexes. So, you know, f- the S and P, the Dow, um, the NASDAQ, gold, uh, crude, uh, that's pretty much it. I was bored one day and traded soybeans and <laughs> the market doesn't really do much. So it wasn't that fun, but, um, I traded the futures market cause I saw it on YouTube and I went after it and, uh, but once you start trading live money, it all changed, and and uh, the difference was that I was always missing um, information, and information on a chart is um, is cataloged by a wick and a candle. And if you I, if you if you're curious about that at all, it's a it's a physical way. Um, to take information and put it in um, physical as in a picture it's a picture um, it, it's it's a way of, of aggregating information so you can learn um, a few things you can learn where um, the price in a, in a five minute period where the price opened where it closed the low and the high so there's four bits of information learned from a candle um, And if it closed, if it closes lower than it started, then you get a, a red candle. If it closes above, you know, where it opened in that time period, then you get uh, a green candle. And, you know, so the you're taking bits of information and, and turning it into a picture. So then you no longer have to, you know, scroll back. You know, one month, two months, three months. You could take all of those. You could literally take three months worth of information and put it in one candle. Um, that becomes near impossible to trade off of. And so I would pull up usually three or four different charts. I would have a, um, uh, at times I would put up, you know, a, a, a one month chart where every candle was one month because I just want to see, you know, as the most amount of information that I would need to see. I'd have a 15 minute chart, a five minute and a one minute up. And, and what it would do is allow me to, you know, again, to get different, um, uh, to compile different, um, I guess, put more weight, um, in different timeframes or allow the timeframes, you know, to tell me, um, the story. Um, and I know it's probably hard to picture, but I would, I would, I'd I'd probably YouTube something on, on, um, on candlestick charts and and it would make way more sense if you can just see it happen live. But the thing I realized about trading and especially in charting is that, um, I could see based on the information that I was giving myself right in in a month or, you know, a a 15 minute chart is actually considered a, a very, you know. Um, old chart Your if every candle is 15 minutes I mean I can go back days and weeks um, if I zoom out I I was thinking that I was getting myself the most amount of information that I would need and I trade off a five minute chart and I would do really well until I wouldn't you know so it's win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win-win and then massive failure and, and I wasn't a disciplined trader so I was willing to um, you know, to move my stop losses back to just to let the trade play out. And what I, what I realized is that, you know, in the end I was missing information and why, well, I paid a lot of money to sit in a room with a trader and he's said, well, you're, you're, you're kept in the dark for a reason. They want people trading, even retail traders, uh, you know, big institutional traders, they want um folks like me trading, putting my money in play, right? So put let let's 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 change the game to poker. The big stack of chips always wants people in play. If they know that the bully, that you're there just to bully them, you're gonna see people just lose their ante and wait it out till they get a good hand. So they want people playing. So they're gonna let you win, 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 win. And then at one point or another, a large stack of chips makes a decision and takes out uh, the lion's share of people. Um, and that happened to me uh, more than once. I could handle the swings for the most part um, until I was trading somebody else's money. And it was a significant amount of money, and it um, it, it scared me. I never traded again. Um, I couldn't figure out of all my homework and, and all the you know as smart as I thought I was I was missing information and and it's because I was not an insider so that's the first rule you're not an insider you don't have the big stack of chips this is blue collar money this is not white collar money and I want to give you some more things to think about I was listening to a guy today talking about the consumer price index the cost of goods and services in the US and so that's how they explain what we you know as, as the middle class is as, as the majority of people in the country you know what we're paying for stuff and um and the gentleman that was talking you know was said you know from a credible source that they were advertising you know the government was advertising um the consumer price index at like six and a half percent which is you know it's not the worst that we've ever heard but it's it's pretty bad but he, but then he said something you know shocking he said but they decided to leave out the fact that that number that they were sharing did not include food and fuel. And I thought, oh, holy cow. If there's anything that the middle class is concerned with right now, it is food and fuel. So if you're going to leave that out you know, to make the numbers sound better, number one, shame on you. But um, man, even worse, if you're the person believing it and, and thinking that your investment in the stock market is going to outplay 6.5%, well then, shame on you, and you know. But the, here's the hard part: it's not six and a half percent. It it's you know nine. If you add in food and fuel, yeah, add in food, food and, f- food and fuel. That's very hard to say. Um, we're at nine and a half percent, and and here's the thing, though. If all our his historian um, economists are right, um, we don't Nobody can have enough information to give us an accurate number. Right? If if Keynes is right, um nobody can give us enough information, accurate information, um, where we should feel good at night, knowing that we're at at nine and a half percent. And I will tell you that nine and a half percent is outrageous. It is near impossible for anything outside of maybe something that a hedge fund touches, um, to outpace nine and a half percent. So just by keeping your money in the bank, you are losing 10% of that. Um, your money is weakening. The buying power of that money is weakening. Every bit of dollar that you save is weakening. Um, you're going to be paying, you know, whether whether you spend it or not, I mean, you're, you're going to be paying, um, that much more for the things that you, you are buying. Now that's, that is a, that's an, I don't know how they calculate that, but let's just say it's an average, you know, for, we know that for food, food, and fuel, you know, maybe we're paying, <clears throat> I know that our gas went up 20%. It's actually up 25%. We went from, you know, 299 to 399. Um, I know for car parts um, some of the parts that I'm paying for now my cost has gone up 30 uh, percent so I, I, it really depends on what sector you know we are in but just as a reminder you know number one um you know we we are not insiders and and even as educated as we would you know would, would think we are um, nobody can give us a solid aggregate of information Um, and mainly because there are there's too many governing interests involved there's too many people with a play right there's too many people that are keeping their cards close to their chest because at some point they are for their own interests and not to say that they're evil but for their own interests for their own stockholders for whatever they have got to move large sums of money around or at some point uh, and arbitrage is going to show up down the road and they're going to like, Hey, you know what? That's going to require some cash. We got to show our hand we got to pull this money out. And as soon as they do, as soon as they pull other people pull and there's a little bit of a feeding, you know, frenzy on whatever this, you know, that next product is. And, um, you know, the, the Keen's, um, writings, you know, is a lot of that is, is how he came up with the greater fool theory, I'm sure there's other economists. I'm not an economist. I don't even have you know an inkling if he came up with it. But you know, the greater fool theory is there's always somebody else who's willing to to pay for you know pay the pay the price. So why wouldn't the market just go up? You know. Well, I made a list the other day of, of the reasons why it um, is completely out um, manipulated and i'm not even going to go through the list because i already went through the list um and but i will tell you that i've got i wrote down 15 different points and i wrote them off the top of my head and i'm not a well-educated person so if i'm pulling this stuff out and i'm i'm able to pull out 15 different reasons why um you know we should be rethinking um our investment strategy and at the very least you know if you want to leave your money in your 401k if you want to leave it in your mutual funds if you want to keep it with your advisor in in a managed fund great but what are you doing with the new money that is coming in because if you're going to outpace that nine and a half percent let's just say um that that nine and a half percent is uh is accurate and accurate to the point where we can actually take action against it uh on it um we have got to come up with some kind of cash flow, um, strategy. And, you know, once that strategy is put in place and you are able to, after you, after you go through your wills, trust and insurances, and after you have mapped out, um, you know, essentially what the vehicle is going to look like, what's what's the purpose of the vehicle? The purpose of the vehicle is to take, um, is to provide value, to take, um, you know, goods and services offer them to the public um to to bring that cash flow into your home and then the other ha- other part of the equation of this vehicle is that money needs to be protected um most of us will put it right back into the market into that uh minefield of uh of products And, or we leave it open to, um, to taxes and there are multiple strategies to deal with both. But, um, I think, you know, the thing that I've been, uh, as I, as I talk to, um, the few clients that I'm working with now, and even, um, just the constant conversations I'm having around money, um, people are putting their, their, um, I don't even want to say hopes and dreams, but they're actually building strategy on things that um, we know historically are, are is pretty shaky ground. And I'm not here to convince people that the market is bad. I feel like we've done a pretty good job of that over 99 um, episodes, why it is unstable, why it is, um, will prove to be untrustworthy. Um, now, I'm, I'm hoping that folks have already... Have already started to write their financial story. They've they've gone to God. They've sat down. They've written out their their kind of their mission statement and their values. What lanes that their family wants to live in. What it's going to cost them during the year to kind of live that out, and then actually get to building that vehicle. Um, you know, I have folks that I I trust to help you with that. So you can reach out to me if you if you want to get to know them uh, better. But I want to kind of move into a a story um that uh is from a book called the value of nothing it's not even a story i don't even know why i said story it's just a, a chapter in here uh the book's written by raj patel and he is a um an activist and a and that kind of an expert on on poverty and food and social issues and politics and god i mean he's he's absolutely he's a brilliant writer um he and i have you know, probably different views on capitalism and even the solutions. But the reason that I read stuff on the left and the read stuff on the right is because there are plenty of people out there, regardless of their agenda that are bringing in great information. And as my final point, and, um, again, I said, remember that this is a, um, it's going to be a Bible study. I I think I'm going to cut it off here. And then for episode 100, which is kind of fun that I get to do this on episode 100. On episode 100, I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you, um, to me, the most powerful scripture um, that I have in my life that I cling to, and it's, and it's the story of Israel. It's God um, giving me you the summary of the story of His people, and it is a a story that I carry in my heart every day, and um, and it it has. Per- protected me it will protect me uh in my family and and it's, and at the very at the very least it connects me with with our church with which the with the big c church at large like we are still israel and so that story still counts and, it, and we need to know where we're coming from and what god has made us for so i'm going to finish this episode episode 99 um with this passage from from the book, uh, "The Value of Nothing: How to Reshape Market Society and Redefine Democracy." Again, uh, Raj Patel and I don't have uh, a lot in common. I have done um, nothing in in the world of finance um, or or in writing, um, but this to me is is great writing, um, and so I, I think it's worth. We're sharing but he's talking about um alan greenspan and just um (laughs) an incredible mistake that he admitted to so i'm gonna go back to um, this very beginning um if war is god's way of teaching americans geography recession is his way of teaching everyone a little economics the great unwinding of the financial sector showed that the smartest mathematical minds on the planet backed by some of the deepest pockets, had not built a sleek engine of permanent prosperity, but a clown car of trades, swaps, and double-dares that inevitably fell to bits. And then he moves on to actually um, talk about an interview with Alan Greenspan. At the end of 2008, Greenspan was summoned to the U.S. Congress to testify about the financial crisis. His tenure at the Fed had been long and lauded, and Congress wanted to know what had gone wrong. As he began to read his testimony, Greenspan looked exhausted, his skin jowly and sagging as if the vigor that once kept him taut had all been spent. But he came out swinging. In the first round, he took aim at the information he'd been working with. If only the input had been right, the economic models would have worked and the predictions would have been better. In his words, quote, A Nobel Prize was awarded for the discovery of of the pricing model that underpins much of the advance in the derivatives markets. This modern risk management paradigm held sway for decades. The whole intellectual edifice, however, collapsed in the summer of the last year because the data inputted into the risk management models generally covered only the past two decades, two decades, a period of euphoria. Had instead the models have been fitted more appropriately to historic periods of stress, capital requirements would have been much higher and the financial world would be in far better shape today, in my judgment. End quote. This is Raj Patel. This is a garbage in, garbage out argument. The model worked just fine, but the assumptions about risk and data based only on the good times past were faulty, and so the output was correspondingly wrong. Greenspan's nemesis on the panel, Henry Waxman, pushed him to a deeper conclusion in this remarkable exchange. And you've got to listen closely to this. This is hilarious. Waxman, the question I have for you is, you had not ideology. You had a belief that free competitive and this is your statement, quote, I do have an ideology. Must, my judgment is that free competitive markets are by far the unrivaled way to organize economies. We have tried regulation, none meaningfully worked, end quote. And this is Waxman again. This, th- that was your quote. You had the authority to prevent irresponsible lending practices that led to the subprime mortgage crisis. You were advised to do so by many others. And now our whole economy is paying the price. Do you feel that the ide- ideology pushed you to make decisions that you wish you had not made greenspan well remember though what an ideology is it's a conceptual framework with the way people deal with reality everyone has one you have to to exist you need an ideology the question is whether it is accurate or not what i'm saying to you is yes i found the flaw i don't know how significant or permanent it is but i've seen very dis- but i have been very distressed by the fact waxman you found a flaw greenspan I found a flaw in the model that I perceived as the critical functioning structure that defines how the world works so to speak Waxman. In other words, you found that your view of the world, your ideology was not right, it was not working? Greenspan. Precisely. That is precisely the reason I was shocked because I had been going for 40 because I had been going for 40 years or more with very considerable evidence that it was working exceptionally well. It's kind of unbelievable uh, the Greenspan would admit to that, um, to the flaw. But in his own words, um, his math, his um, formula was based on on a on the season of prosperity, and when you. Again, you know, all those models are built off of numbers from seasons. Every candle is built from numbers of a season, whether it's a one-minute season or a five-minute or a ten-minute or, or, you know. And then all the information, it it all gets distilled down to these numbers. It gets spit out to us. And the numbers are meant for us to feel good about this season, that it's going to last. I just saw a meme today. I mean, TikTok has got to be one of the most educational things on the planet. Like, it is absolute garbage but i also know that you know there are i'm seeing more and more real estate agents and more and more people reaching out to younger generations uh, through tiktok and what are they doing they are drawing them into the markets they want them to go out and to buy real estate and uh to renovate it and to rent it and to refinance it and pull the money out and do it all again and and I'm not, I'm not, you know, as against that as, you know, a Dave Ramsey would be. Um, you know, Dave wants us to to pay off our houses and, and owe zero debt, you know, because he took massive losses. Now, on the other side of that, there are young people that are so like, I mean, they're technically millionaires because of the assets they hold and because of the cash flow that they hold they might be they may be you may be insulated um from <clears throat> you know because of your cash flow you may be insulated from the um the debt associated with those assets but here's the question if you are missing some of the information and and you know you are you have to be by definition us living in this time i mean here is here is a Um, an award-winning writer who's done research, financial research on why markets fail. Um, Here's another award-winning writer um, talking about the social impact um, of, of some of these economic decisions. Um, And then Keynes, you know, our, our historians that have been dealing with economics are telling us that this is a season um, where information is, <clears throat> excuse me, where this information is going to be left out. Intentional or not, it is going to be left out. And the models that we're working off of, um, because those models are meant to be, uh, give us attractive information. Those models are the aggregate, are built off of attractive information. Um, why we need a baseline um, and why we may not get one is um, the subject of our, our next podcast. Uh, but it's something to think about. There are no great answers for this um, outside of a safety plan hedging against the, the markets and, and the, uh, the fallout of economic crisis. Um And, and when that happens, what we, what can we do? We can act with integrity. We can not only be precise, but we can be accurate. Our story can align with God's story, which a lot of people don't even think, you know, is necessary. But even in the church, I'm meeting more and more people that, you know, will say that they want their money to honor God. But, but, you know, again, when you look at the aggregate of what, of, of their week of their month of the year they're they're not living according to a set of values they're actually counting uh, they're living according to a set of information that somebody gave them they're, they didn't even do their own homework um, so to me I, I wonder how good a story can be when like me um, you built your plan on a set amount of candles, you were missing information. You were you're not an insider. Eventually that information is going to show up because somebody's going to move a chess piece and it's going to, it's going to tip the table over. Um, it really is time, uh, for us to make these changes. Um, man, I, there are better financial podcasts out there where you can get specific information about specific investments, that you are working on. I have not um, heard anyone um, really leaning into, um, you know, building a framework for investing. And so this family is committed to that. And uh, so I would invite you into that, into that story. Let let us help you. Let us figure out how we can get this on paper and, and fill in the blanks, go after the information until it becomes uh, more of a of a full page where we can actually start to act it out, uh, make mistakes in a conservative and um, yeah, in a conservative manner, in a protected manner, and uh, you know where where somebody's looking over our shoulders, our friends and our and our family, our trusted friends looking over our shoulder, our our guides, our good guides and disciplers are able to weigh in on our our stories and our actions. Um, and then we're able to take that, come back to the family and say, Hey, here's what I learned. And, um, and here's what God did with it. Here's what God taught me here. are The people that were affected by it. That to me is incredibly exciting. Um, making money, I I can make money in 10 different ways. Um, and you could probably do the same, but for that money to return, um, into uh, the kingdom of God, into the you know to, to give honor to God, to glorify God. For that money to return with efficiency, um, it means that we've we've got to keep um, we've got to keep the um, our earnings um, uninterrupted. And uh, I just want to I just want to encourage you to go back, attack your assumptions. See um, what your story is leaning on, and um, and and protect yourself um, against some of the missteps that are have happened in the past that we know are, are recorded in history, and the ones that are about to happen. Um, there's going to be an entire subsection of, of real estate investors that are about to get their asses handed to them um, when when their renters decide to stop paying, when people stop traveling as much and stay home and the vacation Airbnb market starts to take a hit, there's, there's going to be many, many, many different things. And, in, in, you know, and in the, in they all may be small, but in the aggregate, they will make significant changes um, to how money is spent and played and uh, you know, how the people with the big stacks of chip chips invest. So, Friends, I hope this episode wasn't too obtuse and um, you know 50,000 foot level. I know the bird's eye view is is irritating at times, but um, man, I think it is important. I I give all my time and energy to to getting um, the story right because I think it matters and I think it matters to God. So God our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and when he's generous with us, he wants to care about these things he wants us to be diligent with them to return them to him so that everything that we plant in the ground can grow up and bear more fruit so that it can go back into the ground and bear more fruit um yeah if there's any questions i would love to uh to listen i'd love to give you resources i'd love to partner you with some smart people and if you have if you're just like hey man just tell me what your podcast you listen to where i can get great information on real estate and cash flow and small business i mean i can i can share those as well but i love you guys um i'm really thankful for you i'm thank you for thankful for our small family it's funny when i started talking about the kingdom of god and getting very specific in uh, the information on this podcast we lost about 40% of our listener base because I wasn't pushing normal modes of investment. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually okay with that. I really am. Because I know the folks that are listening are wanting to get their hands dirty. So, man, I love you guys. I'm really proud of the work you're doing. Um, keep feeding me the stories because, number one, it's encouraging to me. But I also know it, it helps me to pray. It helps me to pray for our Blue Collar Money family. And also um, figure out, you know, maybe who to to bring on here i i'm an expert in nothing except for asking people to come and tell me what they're working on and uh and hopefully that coincides with with what you may need so um, keep praying keep going to the lord and listening for his voice Um, i cannot wait i mean i really i cannot wait um to read this scripture to you from ezekiel 17 on episode 100 of the blue collar money podcast which is going to come up next week and i might actually release it early just for the for the heck of it so thank you for your support love you guys get your knees on the ground blood sweat and tears uh, into the dirt and go get them friends you've been listening to blue collar money theories of middle class investing Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming content. We very much appreciate you taking the time to join us. Please let us know if there's anything we can do to help you live out your best financial story.